Welcome to the podcast. This is Carrie Freitas, still learning my new last name. I think I said it right. And it's interesting people I know. And this week is no exception. Very interesting person who's gone through a lot and is here to be honest, open, and share with us um, to help our listeners get through some tough times. So I have today Stacy Ball. She was, she's not on the podcast because she was my college roommate. So that's like not a claim to fame, as she'll probably tell you. It's probably infamy more. But um, she was my college roommate and just a super brilliant, um, well-rounded, healthy person. Uh, I've had very few of those in my life. So I was super thankful for her in college. And she, um, has gone through just a tremendous loss, uh, and which she's going to share with us. But she lost her husband um, some years ago and is raising two young boys on her own. She is writing just this really beautiful, painfully and breathtakingly beautiful blog called Running Through Grief that you need to check out um, from start to finish. No matter where you are in life, uh, there's going to be something there for you. And she also works full-time and you know, she can tell me about that, but she's always been like super brilliant. So I, she's doing something at Clorox that I think involves marketing and analytics and numbers, which, you know, I'm on like the, the light side of marketing, which is about, you know, fluffy stuff and fun. So without further ado, welcome Stacy Ball to the podcast. Thanks, Carrie. I'm excited <laughs> to do this. I'm very um, flattered that you asked. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, and thanks for doing it. And um, do you want to tell people what you do at Clorox? Because I know it's super cool and I wish I like could describe it better, but um I think I'm not doing it right. No, sure. So I work in the marketing organization at the Clark Company. I've been there um, nine years. And um, within marketing, I work in the global insights, which is like the new fancy term for market research. Um, my specialty is innovation. So new, new products. I work with all the new product teams at Clorox and just bring that consumer point of view in terms of what they need, what's missing in their life, what's frustrating, um, trying to help Clorox bring products to the market that can make people's lives better every day. Um, and it's been a great company, particularly to me, uh, through my loss, which is what we'll talk about today. Well, and a great segue. And thank you for sharing that. And your job sounds super cool, actually. And I think it's like a think tank based on data, you know, which I'm hoping most think tanks are. But you've got to have innovation and ideas. And um, as you mentioned, you had a great segue, but I just kind of ruined it. I'm doing my own segue, which I guess is just something <laughs> I typically do. Great. Great job, Carrie. Um, and so the segue is that, you know, Stacy also, of course, has insights um, on grieving and living. And she's raising two boys who I think are one's going to be a freshman in high school. He is. Okay. My older son's going to be, yep, he starts high school next Wednesday. And then my younger son will be going into fourth grade. Oh my gosh. So she um, is in the thick of it in a, in a great way, but also in a tough way. And so I wanted to talk to her today about her experience um, running through grief, as it were, and, um, and just get her story. And I think, you know, as she tells the story, and again, for more, you know, detailed accounts of different parts of the story, you should go to the running through grief blog. Um, but I mean, I think here she'll give us a really good um, overview of kind of, you know, her life through loss and some of the lessons that she's learned that she can pass along to us. So thank you, Stacy, again. And I thought, you know, let's start with at whatever point you want to start your story. Um, and I want people to know that you're just like I said, at the beginning, a super well balanced person, you've had this really rich life, and you continue to. And you've always, um, 
just been really great about knowing how to nurture friendships. You've had like these lifelong friendships that I, I think are super enviable to anyone on the outside looking in, um, which, you know, these people created your support system um, and a really strong family uh, an extended family with, you know, grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles. And so um, I love the perspective you're going to give of how important those relationships have been to, to, to your, you know, yes. the grieving process. So start your story wherever you feel most comfortable starting it. Um, and I, again, like I said before, I just want you to share, you know, you've been so raw on your blog, you know, certainly um, feel free to share with us anything that you want and stuff that you want people to refer to the blog to. You can note that as well. So perfect. Hannah, I will. To you. Well, okay. I'm going to start my story with when I met Gordy, who was my husband. Um, but before that, I just want to touch on something you just said. I think your life is only as great as the people who are in it. And Carrie, you're right. I have been lucky from you know birth. I have amazing parents, and they've continued to be amazing even through you know the loss of my husband, and and are really so helpful. Um, I do have lifelong friends. I have amazing friends um, from high school. They were the you know, the people that got me through the loss. I have amazing college friends like yourself and some other people. And then, you know, friends I've met along the way. But um, I'm very lucky with family and friends. Um, and, you know, it's probably my biggest blessing every day. Um, I met Gordy in February of 1995. Um, we actually went to high school together but didn't know each other. We were one year apart. Ironically, I knew all of his friends, he knew of all of my friends, and we met in a bar in San Francisco. He was with high school people, and so was I. Um, and we talked, and I went home that night, and I couldn't sleep, and I just had a feeling. Um, we ended up starting to date, and 15 months later, I followed him to Colorado. I just gave everything up. I had a great job at an ad agency in San Francisco, and... Um, a great apartment, and I lived with my best friend from high school, and I gave it all up to follow this man I only knew for 15 months. We got married in 2001 um, in a magical place. I actually just released an article last night. I love called that magical article. McCall. It's so beautiful. Yes, I just released that last night. Um, that's where we were married. So, you know, please check it out, and hopefully a lot of people go to McCall after they read it. Or not. I don't know if um, you want this onslaught of yeah, people in McCall. That is true. <laughs> you know, it's so magical. I would love for people to go there because I think it will um, have an impression on them. Um, we uh, we moved. Um, I'm sorry. I already talked about we moved to Colorado. But then so we got married in 2001. We had our first son, the one who's going into high school. His name is Nathan, in 2005. And we had our second son, Wyatt, my younger one, in 2010. Um, on my blog, I'm very honest, I did not have a perfect marriage. Uh, Gordy and I were very different people, um, and that caused, you know, some tension in the marriage um, at different points in time. But what I will say is nobody worked harder to stay married uh, than Gordy and I, um, and so glad we did. Um, we moved back to California, not ever thinking that we would have, in 2001. And that was driven by jobs um, and the Clark's job. And then, sadly, Gordy died very suddenly. Um, I will not go into the details on this podcast because I probably will lose it. Yeah. But I encourage people to read this story on my blog. It is the first story. So you have to go all the way back to the beginning. If you search the word nightmare or losing my spouse, you will find it. What I will say about it, it was very sudden, very freakish, 
Um, and how I write about that day, you will think you're reading a CSI, or you'll think that you're reading about an episode you would see on, like, CSI or Homicide or any of those shows. He was not killed. Um, But just, uh, it was was a day that I just couldn't believe was actually my life. Um, So, again, read the article. I, I send it to a lot of people who have experienced loss so they understand just how traumatic uh, that actual day was. Um, the and- next day or the day after that, my friend Brenda gave me a journal. Um, and she said, you know, she thought that writing would help me get it out and that I might also want a record of what I was going to go through. And um, the interesting thing is I'm really not a pen and paper writer anymore. So whereas I embraced the idea and I started to write in there, I grabbed my computer literally probably like a day or two after Gordy died and I just started typing. Um, and I would type about, or I would, you know, write about what was going on. So planning the funeral and, you know, telling people and, you know, not sleeping. And I just started writing literally every day. And after I real, after a few weeks, I realized I was actually writing it in the form of a book, you know, with chapters. Yes. Um, and so at that time, when someone dies, you know, people are so helpful, and they want to try to be so helpful. And they give you all these books on how to deal with grief. And it was lovely. And I read so many of them and was so grateful for them. But was what was missing for me from these books is the ugly side of grief, the anger, the physical and mental exhaustion, just this, it's, it's like, you know, Alice in Wonderland. You're falling down this hole of despair, and you can't stop it. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, at least in my case, there were some really dark thoughts. So I would read all these grief books, and that was missing for me, is like, why is no one talking or acknowledging this really ugly side of grief? Because I, I kind of need to know about that so that I don't feel like, like I'm this crazy right. person. Right. And why do you think, I mean, you're probably ready to get there, but I think it's, to my, you know, sensibility, it's like, it's just not, it's like not the pretty part. It's not the poetic part of grief, right? So there's like the you know, the part where you're just so sad and, you know, writing seems acceptable and it's not, but like railing at the universe and getting mad at God or whomever um, and, you know, losing your shit. Um, right. That part just doesn't seem as poetic. And it's, it's, I think it's complete BS that, you know, that isn't talked about because to me um, there's a ton of anger there and, um, and why I would have a lot of why me, um, and I think, you know, uh, and how do you even deal with that and still feel like, you know, you're within bounds, right? Which of course you are. So that's what I love about you. A lot of the things I just reread your, your entire blog from start to finish last night or the running through grief site. I mean, there's so much there and that's one thing that caught me. And I'm really glad that you're talking about it because we have to make that socially acceptable. Um, we, we do, know? we absolutely need to make it socially acceptable and then also acknowledge that it's Okay. You know, I was brought up Catholic. In the Catholic Church, it's it's not it's really frowned upon to, you know, go outside, scream "F you, God!" You know, to the heavens. And I was doing that daily because I was just so angry. Um, and you're angry at the person who died yes. as well. So it is a missing part, I think, of the the grief writings that are out there. And and that's you know. <laughs> When people read my blog, they will realize, to use your words, Carrie, it is very raw. It is very honest. 
there's probably a lot of F-bombs in it. Um, you know, there are some chapters I haven't even released yet, but I will, whether it's through a book, which I'm hoping to publish a book, and we'll talk about that. But, that you know, people who've known me for a long time would be shocked to know that some things I was considering back then, very dark things, because yes. everyone thinks I have my shit together. And, you know, grief, again, it throws you down that horrible hole. And so for me, I was really missing that. And so I just said, you know what, I'm just going to start writing about it. And I don't think I knew what I was going to do with the writings at that time. But it was an outlet for me. Well, yeah, And, and the think, other outlet yeah. for me was running. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, Carrie, I've been a runner, you know, since always. college. And it's always been my stress relief, you know, through the tough times of my marriage with Gordy, through job stress, through becoming a new mom, through anything that has ever been challenging in my life. I put on my running shoes. I go out and run. I either pound the stress into the pavement or ponder the problem. And even if I don't, you know, solve the problem while I'm on that run, at least I come back and I'm a bit more sane. Um, and so, you know, before Gordy died, and he was a, he was a runner too, you know, I did 10K races um, before I had my first son. I started getting into triathlons, just the short distance ones. And I always loved it. And so, you know, when Gordy died, I actually took a week off from running, which is unusual for me. But I was just so exhausted. And it's just, it's just overwhelming how much there is to do to, you know, put someone's life celebration together and even more months of work of, you know, to close out their life, which I have talked about too in my blog. But um, after a couple weeks after Gordy died, um, I was invited to a group called Widows and Kiddos, um, which I wish was a national resource or a global resource. Is it just through it, the Catholic Church, like in some parishes, and it's not, or is it just it's there? It's actually not. It is, it is one organization that is in the area where I live. It is sponsored by um, a Presbyterian church located in Ceremone, California, which is the town next to mine. It is just through their benevolence and grace and love that they 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 connected. Um, the guy who started at the church connected with a widow who is a friend of mine and, and who has been life-changing for me. Her name's Laura. She, it was their brainchild, and they started this group where the widows, and we do have some widowers, go upstairs, and we talk, and we help and support each other. And then the kids, all of whom have lost, in the mo in most cases, a parent, if not like a, a significant loss, you know, maybe like a grandparent, but for the most of them have lost a parent, they are downstairs with members of the church, teenagers of the church, playing um, in this just giant, like, room that would be like the equivalent of a gym in a school. And what's beautiful about it is we get a couple hours away from our kids to share and connect with other widows. Um, you know, now seven years out, I'm one of the seasoned widows, so I'm more mentoring and passing in advice. But when I was there, I was more on the receiving end. Of course, yeah. And then what I think is so beautiful about it, which is different than most support groups out there, is all of these kids are with kids who have the same uh, circumstances as them. And I think for kids, they just want to feel not different. And when your parent dies, you feel different. Totally. And you, and you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb. Yes. And that never, you, it's it's weird. I mean, you're doing all the right things, but I think that that, that really resonates for me. I'm not going to say triggers because um, 
I've done so much work, right? So, um, <laughs> but not just kidding. I'm not. Um, but I think, you know, to me, it's like, I've always felt like the weird kid. Like I always, you know, um, growing up. And I think that that's like an additional stigma that these kids don't need. It's like, they've already gone through this crazy loss of their parent. Um, they don't want to be ostracized, not even in a mean way, but people are afraid it's kind of contagious or something. I think it's like, you know, oh, your dad, your dad died, your mom died. Like, oh, yeah. that's, that's too scary to think about. I don't want to even really hang with you maybe because that's like, you're putting it in my face that that could happen, right. you know? And I think. And it is, it is weird, right? Yeah. Like not oh, it's weird. many people's parents yeah. die. And so, yeah, imagine yeah. Carrie, when your mom had passed away, if you had been able to go to this group where you had 20 other kids, you know, 15, 20 other kids, all of whom had lost their parents. So it really is this magical organization. Again, my friend Laura has done such a phenomenal job. It's been going on for, I want to say, 10 years. I mean, she's, she's been without her husband longer than me. But it was at that meeting, Laura um, and another woman, Carolyn, who actually is a widow who raised two children, two boys on her own. So she's been another widow mentor to me. Um, she, she, They're runners. And they said, you know what? We ran like our first half marathons and marathons after our husbands died. Like that was our grief outlet too. And so they had encouraged, they said, you know what? There's this great race. It's in like another 12 months. It's, you know, it just happened. It's the best half marathon to start with. It's called the Rock and Roll Marathon. It's all over America. Um, and they said, you should run the one. You should train for the next year and run it in, in, you know, in San Francisco. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And so for the rest of 2012 and then, you know, up until April of 2013, again, Gordy died in March of 2012, I spent the year running, writing, grieving, and just trying to survive. That's all I did. And work. I, I did go back. You know, I, I went back to work three weeks after Gordy died. Wow. But that's really what I did. And it was the writing and the running that just helped me get through it. And I did complete my first marathon in April, of or sorry, a half marathon. I've never done a marathon in April of 2013. And by that by that time, I had about 75% of a book wow. in my in my computer, and I titled it "Running Through Grief." Um, so that's where this all had started from. I mean, that's amazing, and congratulations on that. I mean, that's been a while, and I'm sure you've run other events since then. But I just think that that's a, an incredible accomplishment, no matter when you do it. But to do it. Um, in that time of your life, uh, which sounds like it was a saving grace, um, but also sounds really, you know, difficult and challenging. But I think if you're able to find comfort and release there, I mean, that's something I think that people who are grieving, you know, can learn from too. It's like, you know, there are different ways to, I guess, you know, kind of take in the grief and, and work through it. You're saying writing was great for you, running was great for you. And I think, like you said, your support system was also critical um in that time too and probably still is i mean i, I think you probably because grief's not linear so and it doesn't end yeah and grief doesn't end yeah. it is it is an unending thing and i think that's the you know i tell people all the time seven years and i am still running through grief um you know probably not as as a as a frenetic pace or as a um you know really down in despair pace as i was in 2012 and 2013 and I'll talk about that, too, about, you know, a really conscious choice I made, um, you know, about 18 months after Gordy died or 15 months. But um, grief is an ending. And that's where, you know, I do, I mentor what is today um, and people who have other, you know, had other significant loss. And you said it earlier, 
loss can come in a lot of forms, whether it's a spouse or a grandparent or a child, even a divorce um, or the loss of, you know, a critical friend. Grief comes in all shapes and forms. And my biggest piece of advice to people is find an outlet for it. You know, for me, it was running and writing. Um, I do think, I do encourage people if they're able to physically to find some sort of physical outlet, you know, even if it's just walking. Um, a friend of mine went through grief and just walked and walked. I used, we used to joke that it was like, you know, Forrest Gump. You know? Right, totally. But, but in walking. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, finding an outlet, um, and, I, and I'm just so blessed, you know, that my knees have held up and my joints have held up over the years um, to allow me to, to continue to run through grief. What do you think is important about, you know, like I could guess at it, but f- from a standpoint, you know, of a physical activity, what about that do you think is differentiated from other forms of, you know, working through grief? Um, why do you think it's so important? So for me, and I, and again, and it is, I think it is ironic that I know a lot of other widows who are runners and, and that kind of stuff or do some sort of physical thing. There's something about exhausting your body and in order to quiet your mind. Um, and I think that's always been the case for me. And obviously at a very heightened level, once Gordy died, is I would go for runs, you know, after Gordy died and just pound it. And and I think, you know, my ability to increase my mileage was not, was probably <laughs> driven more by what was going on in my yes. mind. And I just had to, I literally had to almost exhaust myself. And sometimes as I was sweating, I would literally pretend, this might sound psychotic, but that, that like the grief was actually dripping out of me a little bit in my sweat, you know, in my perspire, in my perspiration or... You know, so there's something about that. And then just there's something about when your body is physically exhausted and you come back, for me, that quiets your mind. Um, and that's really what, you know, grief is often about is quiet, quieting the mind. Yes. Um, so I think that's, for me, why a physical outlet is important. Again, maybe not for everybody. But or just different things for somebody. Try. Yeah. No, yeah. it makes total sense to me. Um, what was the decision? And, and again, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but if we're at the point to talk about the 15 to 18 months into the grieving process, the decision you made, um, yeah. is that a, it sounds like a turning point? It was a turning point. So, you know, 15 to 18 months after Gordy died, I was out for a run and I was just thinking about, I have been sad for over a year, <laughs> just it's a long time, you know, despairingly sad. And I just was running going, I'm so tired of being sad. Just, I've had enough. And I can remember exactly where I was. I was I was right outside, you know, my neighborhood coming down from one of my standard routes. I remember the exact place on the sidewalk where I just stopped. And in my head, I said, I'm done. Um, I don't want to be this sad anymore. So I just sat there for a minute and said, okay, the path forward now is to figure out, I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up. No, I can hear it. It's okay. Um, I mean, of course you are. I mean, to me, it's... The password was do the work to not be sad anymore. Yes. Um, When you're not saying you're leaving behind the love and you know you're going to still be sad. But I think what what I'm hearing you say is like, I have to like... It's that the whole Shawshank Redemption quote that you, you know, mentioned. And maybe that's the blog post that discusses it, but I'm not sure because like... 
again, I've read them all through twice. And it's like, so I, I don't know where they start and end, right? But I think to me, it's like you get busy living yes. um, or you get busy dying, right? So it's like, exactly. and for you, exactly. you know, and you know, in your heart right then at that moment too, um, which of course you're going to cry. It's a big fucking moment um, is, you know, there's going to be the love and there's going to be the sadness, but you have to like get past it to, to function and, you know, I, you've been there for your boys, I'm sure, the whole way, but you got to be present. Um, you do. And I think, you know, you bring up my boys, and, and watching kids go through grief is, is is obviously very painful. I mean, uh, you're moving your kids through grief, and I'll talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, an advice, a piece of yes. advice I have that I think is a bit controversial. But watching your kids go through grief is really interesting. Kids want to live in the present, and kids want to be happy. So my kids were six and two when Gordy died. You know, my two-year-old Wyatt didn't really know what was going on. And, and it, you know, so whether that's a blessing or not, mm-hmm. we could debate that all day. But what I really fascinating watching Nathan, who was six and, and almost seven, is watching them go through their grief. And, you know, we took I took Nathan to therapy, and, and I think I did, you know, most things right in terms of getting him – you know, into his grief journey and getting him through over the really hard parts. Again, it never ends. But kids just want to be happy. And I remember on my run thinking about that. Like, I'd watched my kids for so many months, and for the most part, not that they're never sad, because they are, and in that, you know, first 15 minutes, 15 months, there was a lot of sadness. But just to watch them be able to have so much joy in different days, and I couldn't get there, and I was almost jealous. And, you know, there's another thing people probably wouldn't admit. I was jealous of my kids that they weren't sad. Um, as much as I was and didn't seem to be wallowing in it. So it was this conscious choice. And I do tell, you know, most people who reach out to me who've had some sort of, you know, tragedy or significant loss and and want to know, you know, how did I get through this? I said, there will come a day. I don't know when it's going to be for you, but there will become a day where you will be, you will decide it's time to make a choice and you will either decide to be, continue to wallow in sadness and be sad and you'll be stuck. And, and that's what therapists tell you all the time is what you don't want to do is get stuck or you will make a decision to pursue happiness. And what you just said, Carrie is right. I have not moved on from Gordy. I, you know, I miss him every day, but I've moved forward and I don't, I'm happy far more times you know, on a yearly basis when I am sad. There are still sad days, and I tell people all the time, my kids still have sad days, we still have issues here and there. I have some really bad days, but they are far outweighed by the happy days. And again, I think it's because I made that conscious choice. I could have gone the other direction, but I decided to go this way. And I'm just so glad I did, because here I am seven years later, you know, six and a half years later from making that choice. Um, And I do have a happy life. It's not the life that I thought I was going to have, but I do have a very happy life. Well, and it's so interesting. I was watching this interview with Joe Biden and um, Anderson Cooper, and Joe Biden was saying that he, when he lost his son, uh, someone had given him the same advice. He said, you know, I guess for, you know, for Biden, it was like the the other gentleman said, hey, you know, keep an Excel spreadsheet and put like, like tally marks on the days that you're happy, right? Like through this process, it may seem like it's, you know, now it sounds crazy that there would be one of those, but there will. And you'll know when you've turned the corner when you see more than less. So you see more tally marks for happy days. And it seems, again, in those in those early moments, like, sure, I'm never going to be happy again. You know, I mean, it's like it seems impossible. And that's where the dark thoughts, I think, happen. I mean, Liam, you know, losing his friend. 
his best friend who was murdered, you know, there was a lot of suicidal ideation and like, I can't, what's the point, you know, in a world like that can have this happen, you know, and I'm sure there were thoughts for you too, is, um, you know, again, I read your, your, your piece about, you know, suicide and how that just had never. Yeah. So to me, it's like, you know, it seems impossible that there will be happy days, but there will. But as you mentioned, you have to make it, I sounds like to me, a conscious decision. And even through a divorce, um, I had to pick myself up one, one day and say, okay, like enough, like I can't. And it's so different. I mean, cause having been through again, not losing a, a spouse, but having lost both parents, um, and other folks in my life, um, you know, you do have to make a decision and it's super hard and it, you know, and there's no judgment on when you make that decision either. I would say too, because, you know, some people just take longer than others, um, to process things. And, but we all know people that are stuck back there and that makes me sad. And again, there's no judgment there, but I know people that have never gotten over losses. Yeah, you're right. And, um, and that's, you know, something we don't want to see people, a place we don't want to see people, um, be at, but also knowing that that's their path. Right. But for you making a decision, um, you know, carving out a new life again, something you would never have scripted, you know, and I would say that about my life, I wouldn't have scripted it this way. This is what's happening. We move on, we move forward. We, but we still, you know, we love the people we, and I was going to ask you too, and I'm probably jumping ahead, which is like what I want to do on this silly podcast it's of mine. Fine. Um, but I feel like, you know, to me, um, you know, I don't know. And I don't, you know, I don't want to sound like Pollyanna because, you know, that's not me. But I don't know, <laughs> looking back, if I would like trade. I mean, I, I went through what I went through for a reason. And, you know, you move forward. And I think it, you know, it it equips you and gives you these tools to do something with. Right. So for you. Would you go back and change it? So it's, a good, it's an interesting question. And, and, you know, we can't unwrite our lives, right? right. So there's, and I've always been, you know me, I've always been a person like, this is what happened, you move forward, you deal yes. with it. And, and this, is, this is the life that God has written for yes. me. Um, would I undo it? Absolutely, because I would want my kids, you know, to have their father. Yes. What I will say is I would love for Gordy to be able to walk back on earth but for me not to undo the person that I've become. And so what I mean by that, and again, it's something I heard from a lot of widows, um, you know, when I, when I was first, uh, when I was first widowed, I'm a better person today than I was before Gordy died in so many different ways. And um, losing a spouse or having a significant loss, what it makes you become and what you've learned and what you appreciate and what you realize is not important and, how you, what you learn in terms of how to be kind and, and caring, everyone should have to get that, but not have to go the experience of losing, you know, something, someone significant. Like the world would be a better place if everybody had the widow's perspective, as I call it. Um, I, my value system has changed. Um, I'm a lot less materialistic, you know, whereas I do worry about money all the time. Um, I, it's not that I, you know, want so much of it that, you know, I don't care about things. I, I just want enough to, to provide the life that I think my kids deserve. Um, I'm just a better person. So that I wouldn't want to undo. 
But, you know, if God said, I'm going to give you one wish, it would be like, bring back Gordy, but don't undo this better person I've become. That's a beautiful <laughs> way to phrase it. And it's, it's actually honest. And um, I love it. I've never heard someone parse it that way. And I think it's, that's going to stick with me. And I love it. Um, I mean, I don't love what happened to you, but I love your perspective on it. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit more about how you've changed, like the better version of you. Um Aside from, like you said, you're, we're all chasing money to a certain extent to have, you know, be alive and give our kids things. And I so get that. Um, but not being materialistic is, you know, that's a difference, right? That's a, a, a not even a nuanced difference. It's a very different perspective. But what else right. about you has changed? I mean, do you feel like it's, are you in a, like a place of gratitude more often? Or is that just? So I think I'm kinder. Um, you know, I've always been an impatient, um, person that has not changed. In fact, my impatience has probably got worse because I just have so little time, right? You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm raising two kids, you know, as a single, as a solo parent and all of that. But I think I'm kinder. Um, you know, when Gordy first died, there was a lot of gossip going around town because of the nature, you know, and by the, the mystery of which he died. Again, I, I would refer people to right. my first chapter of my blog because mm -hmm. he just won't believe it if mm -hmm. I tried to even explain it. Um, there was a lot of gossip in town, and that was hurtful. Um, you know, I felt like the boys and I would walk through town, and, and we would be approached by different people like, oh, hi, are you Stacey Ball and so-and-so? I was at your husband's funeral, and... You know, there was rumors about Gordon committing suicide, which he didn't. And it just, it was so hurtful. So now, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy, you know, a, a gossip session with my very closest friends from time to time. But I don't judge people like I used to. I, I don't talk about them, yes. you know, maybe as openly as I did. Um, I realize that, you know, everyone has gifts and everyone's got, you know, things that people might find, you know, annoying or bizarre about them. And so that's where the judgmental, um, because of the friendship that I was extended by so many of my close friends when, when Gordy died, I've tried to be a better friend. You know, I, I am, I am sometimes apologetic to my friends that I can't be as good a friend to them as they are to me. You know, and again, it gets back down to, you know, my priority first for first and foremost will always be the boys. But, um, but I, I think I'm a better friend than I was even before because I've seen, because I've been on the receiving end of such, you know, generous and, um, you know, just uh, gracious friendship. So I think in those ways, and then again, you know, the value, the just what I find important, you know, important things that are important to me are experiences and building memories and taking lots of pictures. I tell people all yeah. the time, you need to take twice as many pictures as you're taking because God forbid someone's not there to take pictures one day. But, you know, that kind of stuff. I'd much rather have an awesome experience with my kids than, you know, buy them yet something else they don't right. need. I love um, that. Yeah. And again, like you said, this is not the way that we would want people to kind of get this insight. Um, you know, if we were to script it better, you know, we would just all be born with the software or maybe there's another way to learn it without having this, you know, um, magnitude of loss, but it's wonderful that you're able to look at it and, and have the insight into yourself to see that how you've changed and how you're better. Um, and then to share that with other people. Cause I think that just by you talking about it, um, again, you can't suddenly impart to someone who's super judgmental, you know, 
everything you've learned and, you know, why you feel differently about, let's say, being judged, you know, judging people. But I think if, if people, there are people that will hear this and go, you know what, I got to let that go or I got to work on that, you know, like God forbid something like this happened to me, but I want to learn the lessons anyway, you know, and so I think that's another, you know, um, I guess like unscripted calling that you now have um, through your writing. I so, and I and I have been trying to share that in my blog. I mean, the other thing I'll say is that it actually, I've seen it in my kids too. I mean, both my kids are incredibly kind. Now, I will say that Gordy was one of the most kind and generous men on the earth, and I, and I, you know, I, I cite that in several stories on my blog. Um, everybody loved Gordy, and everyone benefited from you know being someone that he called a friend. So there's, I think, my kids have an inherent kindness and generous you know, DNA about them. But, you know, even with like the recent shootings and, and what's going on in America, you know, I, I sat my kids down um, after last weekend and I said, you know, why do you think people shoot people? And, and they gave me some reasons. And I said, why would you never shoot people? I just need to know, like, what would stop you from doing this? And they said, you know, my kids are being brought up in a faith-based education. And so there's all those reasons, like, you don't end someone's life. We would never want to do that. But then one of them said, we also wouldn't want to do that to their family members. We know what it's like mm. when you, you know, when somebody dies. And so, again, not that I want this to happen to people, but, you know, it, I do think it would be um, better for the world, certainly America, if people knew how awful it is to have, you know, a family member taken from you and how just awful yeah it's devastating yep and it, it is and like you said it just never ends i mean like, again you get to the point where you have more happy days than sad ones but certainly there are days and sometimes it's for no reason and sometimes it's a milestone right and or sometimes yep. it's daddies and donuts you know at school and i just remember yep. like in girl scouts like the mother-daughter tea i'm like please don't let that day come like can we have a different event like you know and it would just suck and so like you said if some people if these people had that the empathy, um, again, without somehow without having to go through it. Um, it's just, it is devastating. And so I think that's, and I do think that, you know, things like these shootings, um, which unfortunately give us teachable moments more often than I would like. Um, that's an understatement. Um, I think it's, it is good to sit your kids down and talk about, you know, empathy, even if they haven't gone through, you know, loss, just like have them even go to the point. It's kind of like a flooding exercise, I would think. Uh, you know, about, yeah. you know, what would it be like if I weren't here anymore? Like, not like 90 year old me, I'm talking about, you know, me at 50. You know, right. what would it be like if your brother didn't come home from school? Um, right. And so maybe that's something like a way to talk to kids about the pain that these kind of senseless events inflict on on families and for generations to come. Because, exactly. it, you know, you just, you, right, you just put people into a whole level of hell that you know, only people who've been in it can understand. Right. Um, and so I just thought it was interesting that yes. that was something my kids would bring up. Um, you know, they, you know, they, they don't want anyone to have to go what, you know, what to have to go through what they've had to go through, you know, for basically their whole lives. I mean, certainly my younger one. Um, so, you know, the other thing, just speaking about kids that, I mentioned um, a few minutes ago that I do have a, a controversial, controversial piece of advice or thought on on the grief process for people who are like me, but you know are, are raising kids and their kids are going through grief. Everybody always says, you know, 
you have to the parent has to be happy and and um and functioning in order for the kids to be in a happy place and and I believe that to an extent but what I found through my experience is I put my kids grief before mine so it was more important for me to get them along on their journey of grief you know why it was only two so there was only so much I could do there but um get them going and try to get them over at least the initial you know horror of it before me and I always put them first always before me and, and even some of my friends would be like you know what Stace you got to do something for yourself here you got to put yourself front because if you're not doing okay the kids aren't going to do okay and you know I'd listen to them and I knew there's a degree of truth to that but I put my kids grief I, I, I put my kids getting through their journey of grief at a higher priority than than me getting through my grief and you know I was lucky because I had my writing I had my running I had my therapy I went into it right away um, but Again, that I just offer that because I'm so glad seven years later that I did that. And I'm not really sure that that's what most people would say. Can you tell me um, why? So in hindsight now, the fact that you chose, you know, a controversial or divergent approach there. And I can see why, because honestly, the whole thing about putting on your oxygen mask before your kids is like, totally. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, <laughs> like, No. Like, I don't even care if I get in trouble with the freaking flight attendant, you know, like, which, of course, they're not going to give a shit about that. But to me, it's like, I can't. No way. It, one, no, as a mom, uh, just no. And then two, you know, the sense of purpose, too, that it gives you um, to help your kids through something, I think, is also healing um, as a mom to be doing that work for your kids or, or stewarding them or mentoring them through, you know, guiding them through that. Um, I would totally agree with you. And I think, why is, why do you think that's controversial? Like, I, I mean, is it just like the I, standard practice? It's like, Oh, if you know, mom isn't okay, then no one's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm laughing about the oxygen mask. Cause I'm like you, I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, never. You know, I think also like looking back, I was never not functional. I, you know, Gordy died on a, a Friday, you know, afternoon. I didn't know until 7 o'clock that night. Um, the next morning, I was up and dealing with my kids, despite my mom going, I've got it, I've got it, you know, and friends, you know, literally flowing through the front door. I was never not functional. And you know me, Carrie, that's just me, right? Like, it's going to take a lot right. to flatten me. And apparently, if that if my husband dying very suddenly and freakishly. Yeah, I don't think anything will then. Yeah. Probably not. But I'm, I'm not tempting God to, to prove No, knock on wood, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think I was never not functional. If there was a widow or a widower who was not functional, I would probably say you need to take care of yourself and get yourself in kind of like at least a semi-functioning state before you need to be dealing with your kids. Um, it was interesting, and I write about this in my blog, that um, in one of my grief groups, um, that I went to, there was a woman in there who had lost a, a child, so very different than me, had lost a child. And she talked about, you know, the first six to 12 months after she lost her child, and she had another child as well. And she talked about how she just wasn't there for her first child, and she carried so much guilt from that. Um, you know, the, the child that, that was still alive, you know, was basically in front of a TV for months. She just she couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't do anything, and so, you know, I've always I I, I actually remember what this woman looks like. I, I never saw her again after you know a month long of you know grief sessions, 
and at the time I just remember like, oh my God, thank God that I was functioning and, and able to deal with my kids. Um, because I, I think this is grief that, or guilt that she will carry for a long time. And I just have so much empathy for her because I don't know what it's like to lose a child. Um, I think for me, I was functioning. And so because I was able to function and at least pretend really well every yes. day um, and be a mom, even though inside I was, you know, dying, I, I think I was able to put them first. But I think if, if you know, the, the parent who is grieving is not functional, then I don't think I would take my advice. I mean, the other thing for me, too, was, you know, I don't know that there's a rank ordering of what's the worst loss, you know? Oh, God. Like, but I, the tragedy me, Olympics. Yeah, it's just terrible. Right? Like, yeah. That's a great phrase. For me, the my young sons losing their father was worse than me losing my husband. And so I think for me, I was like, okay they got screwed even more than me. So that's where I'm going to concentrate and, and get them going, right. Get them going again, you know, and then me, I'm second. So if there was ever a choice right. that had to be made or ever a priority, it was always going to be them first. And and that's really all I can say about how I made that choice. No, I mean, and it makes sense to me as a mom, but like you said, you've got to be, you know, functioning and, you know, yeah. I also think another thing that, and I don't know whether because you're so stalwart, like and strong. I don't know whether um, accepting help, I think is a really hard thing for people. Um, and you had so much of it coming at you. Because again, as I said, at the top of the show, you've done such a wonderful job, beautiful job of maintaining relationships and nurturing them and understanding how important that is, um, both with your family and your friends. Um, but I think did you ever have a hard time accepting help? I, I just want people to hear that it's okay. Like I will say, of course, I have a hard time with it, but I also know that it should be okay and no one's winning any awards for being a martyr, you know, or stronger than the next person, quote unquote, or whatnot. Did yeah. you, did you have a, I mean, was it just automatic that you were able to accept the help or did you have to talk yourself through that or were you resistant at all? So, so I've always been one, I cannot ask for help. Even seven years later, the only people I will ask for help are my parents who, again, have been amazing. I mean, just, and again, read my blog to find out how amazing, you know, my parents should be held up there with like, you know, the role model of what parents should be. I can ask them for help. I really can't ask anybody for else for help. I can minorly ask my now boyfriend for the last five years for some help. Accepting help was a little easier because you're so overwhelmed. There's so much to do. Starting from day one, you know, you're dealing with um, funeral arrangements and, um, you know, in my case, I was dealing with autopsies and investigations. I was so overwhelmed, Carrie. I think that I didn't even have an issue with accepting it. And then, um, yes, I was so blessed cause I have such amazing friends. They were flowing the help in like literally starting the next, actually I, that evening. I mean, people showed up that evening when word got out. And so, there was so much help flowing in the door and everywhere and in the windows that, um, and it was going in so many different circles that I didn't even have time to actually try not to accept it. It was coming. Yeah. It was a tidal wave of of help and there was no way I was going to stop it. Um, and, and thankfully I, I didn't, I mean, if I think back, I have had some guilt over the years about, Oh my God, did I thank that person? I, never sent thank you notes. I am in awe 
of people who go through significant loss and and send thank you notes. I couldn't. I couldn't keep track of everything. There was books showing up and things for the boys and meals and, you know, so much stuff showing up. And I was just barely opening it. You know, I was living in my room, my old room at my parents' house because I moved out of the place, you know, where yes. we were living because that's where Gordy died. So I had, you know, piles. Again, it just, that is the one piece of guilt that I still struggle with today is, did I thank everybody? Oh, my I gosh. Can everybody. we, like. Do they know I'm grateful. In the here and now, can we, like, wipe that slate clean? Because, honestly, um, <laughs> I... I'm not God, obviously. I mean, oh my gosh, what, how much trouble would we be in if I were? Um, but I'll just <laughs> say that, like, let that go. I mean, because to me, and I'm not trying to be like crass or like flippant about it, but it's like, would you ever expect, like, as an outside observer, I would no sooner expect a thank you note for anything that someone was going through that I did for them in the grieving phase. Like, you're, no. And I mean, so I think you need to absolve yourself of that. And I also think that, like, wouldn't it be great if we could just say, and again, the world doesn't listen to me, but I wish they would. But, um, you know, like, everyone's off the hook. Like, I mean, I, I just think, like, yeah, that should not be an expectation. Just no, like, and none of my friends have that expectation. No, but I'm saying, laugh. like, you need to but let yourself just, off the hook. Well, why? I know. Why? I do. I, I mean, need to. I mean, I have worried. I mean, people paid for things, you know, like – these beautiful pictures okay, and that's, programs that's, showed up at Gordy's funeral and I didn't do any, I mean, so, but yes, I mean, again, I do tell, I actually, it's interesting over the last couple of years, not only do I mentor widows, but then I have a ton of people coming to me who are friends with a widow or widower, right? So they, yeah. and they come to me and say, how can I help her? How can I help him? And I literally have these emails that I repurposed and send to people on how they can help because everyone does want to help. So right. I do tell every widow and widower that I'm connected with, oh, God, accept the help. And by the way, I never wrote thank you cards. I don't even know who did what. So yeah, let's just make that a rule that, that we're not allowing thank you cards, actually. We should, like, actually not even allow them just so they're not an option. It should be, it should be a rule. It's verboten. Um, and then also, you know, I really encourage friends to do stuff. And, and again, I probably have a unique perspective on things that even people wouldn't think that a widow or widower well, that's the thing or the children would you be open to publishing that um, somewhere? I mean, because to me, it's, I should, I should put it on my blog, you know, I think it would be so helpful to help them. Yeah, I should. Um, Cause I literally have these emails that are, that I repurpose. Um, you know, I just got asked for them this summer as well. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's another piece of advice is just to, you know, accept all the help because it's just, again, the grief is overwhelming. And then the, just the the tasks of closing out somebody's life and all of that. And then also, you know, I, I and I write this in my blog, solo parenting is really, really hard. And I know people who do it not only because they've lost their spouse, but, you know, in some divorce cases yes. and stuff. yeah. Solo parenting is awful. I mean, it, there terrible. are days where I cry myself to sleep still because it's so awful. <laughs> no, I know. It's like, and again, I haven't been through it to the magnitude of what you have gone through, but I feel like in large part, I have to take on a lot of the, I mean, I've, I've got, and everyone knows I've got the onus uh, of it, but um, it does feel lonely and you just wish you, one, just the help part but also the part where you just want to ask an opinion of someone whose kid that is. Like, 
to me, exactly, it's like it's so different to ask my new husband, now husband. I mean, he loves those kids, you know, like they're his own, but they're not his own. So there's always a nuanced difference, and I'm. It's not because he's not great. It's just there's a difference, right? And um, and he's got great perspective. He's a great father to his children, but it's like it's so different because like at a gut level, your kids are your kids, and Gordy has perspective on those kids that no one else can have. Um, and you don't have that now. And I think that's really so difficult. Um, it is. I mean, that's it really the is. And, and, you know, I have the same thing as you do. I have a boyfriend. I've been with him five years. You know, he really is the only father figure that Wyatt knows because Wyatt was two when Gordy died. Um, and Wyatt's greatest wish that we would get married someday and, and he'd be officially his stepdad. Of course. But, you know, there's, that's, no, a other, yes. well, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Yes, totally. Blending families. But, um, but, um, you're right that, and you know, he loves my kids. I think, you know, just as much as he loves his own, but to me, there's this like absence of skin in the game, <laughs> like, totally. like literally and figuratively. Yes. Um, and that it's not, it's not your kid. It's not. And so you're right. I mean, there's so many times where I'm like, I don't know what the right decision is here. You know, I'll talk to Gordy and I, I'm like, give me a sign, like move that thing on the dresser or make a bolt of light or, you know, well, it sounds like he does give you signs, but maybe in that moment, like about the football teams, he might not be available. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So you're like, yes. Oh no. And ironically, that is what we're going through right now. And, and so, <laughs> like, yeah. So it is very, yeah. that is very lonely and, yes. and scary to be a hundred percent in charge of every decision that's made for your kid. It's yeah. really, and I'm a control freak and I still struggle with it. Right. And so what does um, that tell you? That it's like, it's not natural, right? It's not <laughs> what you want to, and I'm the same right. way. And, um, you know, for different reasons, I mean, my, my uh, ex-husband still, you know, with us. Um, but it's just a different relationship. And, um, you know, I feel like I do make all those decisions and, um, it's, it's, it's exhausting. And it's also just a a little bit, um, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's like, it's so much responsibility. And I'm like you, I don't shirk from responsibility, but that's one, one place where I'm like, gosh, it would be great to have a partner in that. Um, it would, I mean, that, that is, you know, one of the things I miss most about solo parenting. And then, you know, the other thing I'm really honest with, with people who are still parenting, again, in whatever circumstances have led them to that, it's logistically awful. I mean, my life is a constant chess game. The, you know, totally. my kids are both very sporty. They have a lot of activities. Um, you know, just every Sunday night is me sitting down with papers and pen and highlighters and I can't even, it's so complex, I can't even do it on my phone or on my computer. No. And and I'm constantly, you know, this is where I think, you know, knock on wood, my parents are still doing well. They are driving my kids all over places and um, having to go to tournaments in the, you know, 90 yes. degree sun. And um, But it is, you know, Gordy and I had two kids for a reason. We always wanted two kids so that there, we were never, we were man on man, right? Yep. Like, that was our... Totally, it's not zone. Yeah, now you're zone. And you're like... What? This is a lot of coverage. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> luckily you've got other people, right. but I mean, it is, but I mean, and again, you've had two kids for other reasons too, I'm sure. And maybe different reasons than me, but to me, I'm like, I just didn't want them to not have a sibling, you know, and, and right. feel that, have that experience. And, um, but it, it is so hard on so many levels. Um, and again, to have that extra layer of, you know, the grief piece. And 
And the fact that dad's, you know, my dad is not, you know, here speaking as your sons, but it's like, you know, for the big game, for the, you know, yep. there's still times when I, you know, and I'm, I mean, how far am I into this grieving? 46 years um, of my mom. It's like, you know, my wedding was a big deal. Um, you know, having my kids was a big deal. Um, every time you get a grandparent's day um, notice from school, I'm like, don't have them, you know? So to me, it's like, and that's the generational loss that I think I want people that take people's lives to understand too. It's like, you know, um, my losing my mom and no one took her life, but you know, my losing her at a young age, like, you know, changed my life in different ways, but it robbed me of a lot of experiences. I mean, that I had to kind of piece together in different ways. And then, you know, my kids don't, get a grandmother, you know, and that's another big deal. Like my kids don't have grandparents. Um, yeah. And that's generational loss. Right. And so they'll grow up without knowing what that's like. And, and so. And it is an absence that, you know, it does have an effect, right? Like, you know, the loss of your mom is, is an av- has always had an effect. I am, you know, completely ridiculously and ignorant if I say that the loss of Gordy is not going to have an effect on the boys. I mean, they're doing really well, but it is going to manifest itself in some places. Um, you know, and, and that's like, you know, grief when you, it's almost like sometimes it's like waiting for Godot. You never know when it's <laughs> totally. going to show up or if it's going to show up. And I've written a blog, a piece about that on yes. my blog as well. And, it's really good. And, and watching, you're constantly watching your kids and every time they misbehave, you're like, Oh my God, is it the grief no, or t- is it them <laughs> just being a jerk teenager? Um, <laughs> you just, but you never so, know. Like you can't know. I mean, usually it's the easy answer know. and it's the jerk teenager. I mean, that's what I found <laughs> is like, and looking at my kids for other reasons, not, you know, loss of a father, but just other things that have happened. I'm always like, what do I like ascribe that to? And usually it's whatever that theory is that I always talk about and can't remember who did it was, or who came up with it was like, it's usually the simplest answer. Right. But it's like, but as yeah. moms, as parents, you're looking deeper, which is, I think important. Right. I mean, you got to keep an eye and on it. And at times it is going to be, at times it is going to be the grief or the other factor. And, you know, and you can't just take away their phone for misbehaving because it's not, it's no. not about that. Correct. And so, yep. so that's the other challenge of solo parenting. And particularly when there's um, some sort of tragedy or loss, you know, again, your mom and the absence of grandparents for the girl or for your, for kids, your kids, the boys and, you know, the loss of their dad, it's just... Again, it just goes, it goes into that whole exhaustion thing. And, and I'm very frank with, um, you know, newly widowed and widowed, widow, widower saying, I, look, I wish someone had been more honest with me about how difficult and yes. how exhausting this is going to be. But the other thing I will tell people and, you know, is, so I was introduced to a widow um, two days after Gordy died um, through some friends of his. And she really has been my rock from, you know, and someone knowing that what I've gone through. And I go to her still to this day with like, okay, this is happening now. What? And my very first question to her, when I was introduced with her, she had, she had two young girls, um, and her, her husband died, you know, in a, in a sudden death. I said, will my kids be okay? And her singular response was absolutely. And it was the most meaningful words anyone has ever given me because that was really what I wanted to know. Of course. And now what I can tell people seven years later is my kids aren't perfect. I know that grief is going to rear its ugly head at different times, you know, to your point, like when you had your, when you had your kids, when you got married, these are all going to hit my boys at some day too, but they are okay. And I think it's for 
someone who's newly widowed that's raising kids, that's probably the singular thing I could tell them is your kids are going to be okay. I mean, that's so powerful too. Like you said, it's like if, if someone gave me that knowledge, I'd be like, okay, then we're good. Then we move forward. You know, I don't know how we'll do it, but they're going to be fine. You know, hopefully by extrapolation, I'm going to be okay. Um, and I, you know, the answer is of course they are. And like you said, the resiliency of kids and their default setting is like, be present, stay happy. You know, it's like, or stay happy, be present. And, um, and I think that's like a beautiful thing about life. And I think, you know, um, and I'll say that like, for the the widow in your group that felt bad about, you know, the surviving kid who the poor thing probably had survivor guilt and then was plopped in front of the TV. But I give her grace because, you know, I think that and that and that kid's going to be OK, too. Does that make sense? Like your kids are are really OK because you've been in the trenches so present, somehow able to function um, and are vigilant. Right. The vigilance is exhausting, but you're always watching. Right. Is that this? Is that that? What do they need? And what a beautiful way to be and what a wonderful mother you are um, through everything. And I think, you know, but but all the kids are going to be okay. I mean, even the kid in front of the TV for that woman is going to be okay, too, because that was me and I'm okay. Does that make sense? Like, and I think, you know, would I have rather been given the tools that you're giving your boys at such an early age for coping and support and knowing that there's love there and the world's a safe place, you know, but and how to, to maneuver through it and. Um, that's better, you know? And so I encourage anyone listening to this that's going through grief, go get yourself help, get the people around you help, the other people that are grieving the loss, um, and give everyone the tools, as, you know, that they can use to, to cope and to continue to live and have a happy life after. Because that's what, you know, the people we've lost, I think 201 would not want us, you know, not functioning and not enjoying and not being happy, you know? Um, and that's a critical point. I, you know, some good friends of mine, we were up at a lake together, um, you know, with our kids and stuff. And, and they said, how, how you're doing such a good job with the boys. And I do want to put it out there. And I, and I, you know, probably write about this on my blog, just so everyone knows I'm not a wonderful mother, 365 days a year. Nobody is though. So just for the record, like that's nobody. So yeah. But I make a lot of mistakes due to my grief, my um, sadness, my exhaustion and, and that's okay, right? Because that's just, yes. you know, and, you know, my kids my kids aren't perfect and they know I'm not perfect and we're just trying to get through this. But my bigger point is that, you know, my, my friends asked me, how did, you know, your, the boys are doing so great and how how did you get this? And I said, because if I didn't, Gordy would have kicked my ass the day I got to heaven, <laughs> literally. True. Right? I mean, because they want what's yeah. best for everybody that's still here, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, so we know this. Um And so I just, you know, and I applaud you and I know he does too, um, for what you're doing for other widows and their families and widowers. And then just by like being so open and real on your blog, it's so helpful. And those are people that, you know, it's reaching other people that you can't personally touch at the, you know, widows and kiddos, let's say that you can't, there's a finite amount of people that you can shake hands with, look them in their eye and tell them their kids are going to be okay. But your blog can do that and eventually your book for so many more people. Um, yeah. And that's I, huge. You know, I hope I, I really want to, you know, publish a book one day and there's a lot of work to do on it. And, and that is my goal. Um, but I've been thrilled with my blog and the response to it. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to find running through grief.com. I, you know, it's a mix of chapters from that first year or that first, you know, kind of, I guess, 13 months 
um, and then you know even writings today. Um, so I, I'm still writing, you know, quite a bit. Um, and you know, like last night's article was was freshly just you know off of um, hot off the presses w- written this week. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think you know the my parting advice is that this, and it's just it sounds crazy, but everything is survivable. It is up to you to make the choice, but. I never in the first year thought I would survive Gordy's death. I really didn't. And, you know, you just do the work to, like, to your point, you go get help, you get your kids help, you figure it out, you let people help you. Um, it is survivable. And it's it doesn't end. You're always grieving. We're always grieving. I'm going to be running through grief, and you know, until my time comes to go to heaven and join Gordy. But... You know, that's the first thing. I actually just texted a widow yesterday, and I said, trust me when I say you will survive this. Well, that's another beautiful thing, too. So, right, so it's like the kids are going to be okay, and you will survive it. Yep. I mean, if exactly, and I have to thank you too, just personally for, and this, I think, well, hopefully, um, I should have ended it with what you just said, because it's way more eloquent and neat, but I I loathe to do that on this podcast, because then it wouldn't be like, you know coming out of my brain because um, that was like the perfect ending and Murphy may edit it and just say, you know, Carrie, just shut up. But I, I think, I just want to thank you because even though I haven't gone through your grief, right, your particular grief and losing a spouse, um, there's so much to get out of it. So for me, and I just rereading it last night, I just wanted to share that I, your um, blog about how planning a funeral you know, is just like planning a wedding, but in a really messed up way. And all the things that grieving, like in the throes of the worst grief, um, people are asked to do in these planning, you know, stages is excruciating and crazy. Um, And, you know, it gave me a lot of grace for my dad, because I was thinking about him moving through that with my mom. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't even think about the onus being on him for all of this stuff. Plus, you know, single parenting, solo parenting. And um, so I just, I thought that that piece, that blog post was so apt. um, And I really needed to read that. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, And then I also wanted to thank you for sharing about McCall and your grandfather. um, Because that to me was just an amazing um, story of like love um, for a person in a place, but all the things he taught you. I just thought that was like, oh, that just gives me as a parent and a future grandparent, hopefully not too soon. These kids are too young for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, you know, knock on wood again. Um, I just thought like, what an amazing legacy for him to leave. And um, it, ma- it inspired me to be like, I got to do more of that. You know, I just loved the stories about the coves he showed you and the learning how to, you know, to water ski and driving the boat and you just getting up at the crack of dawn, even though that wasn't his thing to take you out. You know what I mean? So to me, I'm like, that's a legacy. Um, so it that is, was also is. inspiring, independent of any grieving. Like just from reading what you wrote, the beautiful words were like inspiring me on a totally different topic. So I just want to share that. that spoke to you. Oh, I, uh, so I great. was kind of hesitant about putting that one on there. I mean, it is about McCall and it is about, you know, the fact that there's this place that where I feel special, where I feel connected yes. to, you know, two significant men in my life, my grandpa and my husband. Um, but I was hesitant. I'm like, eh, does this, you know, really match? And they said, you know what? It's it's um, it's it's a beautiful love story. It is. Um, you know, on both sides of it. And yeah, if you can be the kind of grandparent that my grandpa oh. was, your grandkids someday, Carrie, are just gonna think you are 
the bomb. I know. So I kind of want, I was like, I, I want another. So here are the other blog posts I'm requesting. I know that's not like um, something I'm supposed to do is request blog posts because um, it's not like tracks from your album. But I think, um, I hope maybe they are. But I think the post or somewhere if you can share what what to do for a grieving, um, f- you know, friend or loved one. I think tips for how to, to you know, support that person when they're grieving would be so valuable. Um, I think that's going to be my next one. Okay. I think it's such a good idea. And, and the, I just the love The number it. of times I get asked for it. And yeah, you know, so, it's I, there should be something out there that friends can go to and be like, oh, okay, here's like a list of pe- things that I can yes. maybe do for my friend. And um and then selfishly, you know, maybe some I just of them will buy, maybe some I, of them they won't. will. And then selfishly, I just want your grandpa's playbook. So if that's laying around somewhere, um, of like how to be a great <laughs> grandparent, you might want to. I mean, that's its own book. So, but just maybe, maybe you can do that one too. And in all your spare time between your high powered job and you know solo parenting and grieving and mentoring and writing a book. So you know, a second book. Um, okay. Well. Um, and I think you already left your parting words. Like I said, it was such a neat, beautiful ending and I ruined it, but, um, no, I think it's great. I and wanted thank you to so thank much you. For, thank you so much for allowing me to do this. Um, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, you are a significant, you are a significant person, but you, you also played a role in, in shaping the person I am today. And, you know, I have so much love for you that it's just been really nice to do this. Oh, well now, and, and right back at you. And, um, I just, want to say that I really am honored to have had you on today and also um, just excited is a weird word to use for this, but I can't think of a better one. So I'm going to do it. I'm just excited for people to hear what you have to say um, and heal and have, you know, again, tools and like hear someone voice things that, you know, you'll be okay and everyone can get through anything. And I think that's such important messaging. So I'm excited for people to hear it and take it in and um, hopefully heal and grow. So thank you um, for being Absolutely. on. And I'll talk and to you soon. That, yeah. And if people that listen to this, you know, I do, I have a Facebook page. I respond to every message oh, that's I good get. To know. Okay. they want to reach out to me because um, they have a question or they're going through something, I, I make it my goal to respond to every single one that comes through there. So find me on Facebook or you know, okay, through my so, blog, you can also send stuff through the blog, and I respond to each and every one. Oh my gosh! So. And so, running through grief on Facebook is also the handle too. So both there. Yep. And are you on Instagram too, or no? I am, and okay. it's, it's um, running through grief, Stacy Ball. But I think if you type it in, you could find it. Um, you can find it. Yeah. So. Okay. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you Stacy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on. All right. Love you. Love Bye-bye. you too. Bye. That was great. Thank you. Awesome. So I'll write up a little thing.